This is the History Lessons Podcast with certified financial planning practitioner, Patrick Huey. Hey guys, it's Friday. And before you start your weekend, let's talk about your finances. This week, we'll answer a common question. Should I roll over an old or dormant 401k? It's a common question, especially as we get older and potentially have accumulated several 401ks, 403bs, or 457 plans as we've proceeded throughout our careers. It's not like the old days where you spent your entire career in one position or at one company and ended up with a pension at the end. No, no. Now you are responsible for making good financial decisions with these assets that you've accumulated often at companies you haven't been in for maybe over a decade. Now, I've got a flowchart I use uh, to guide these discussions. Uh, See, this is mine right here. And you can see it's all marked up because uh, I've been making notes before this show. Um, You'll be able to access material. Just check this link. Check the link uh, in the show notes. You'll be able to get this uh, checklist, follow along, even if you're listening to this. Uh, on one of your favorite podcast platforms. All right, so let's get started. So rolling over a dormant employer account really starts with the first question. And if you're following along on the flowchart, you're starting up in the the left-hand corner. So after reviewing your summary plan description, if you don't know what that is, we'll talk about it here in a second, and investment options, are you satisfied that your plan is well-managed and meeting your needs? So if you ask that question, I think to 100 people, 99 of them will look at you and go, how would I know that? Uh, I have have no idea. And what it really comes down to is, are you getting value for the fees you're paying? Uh, How do you know what fees you're paying and what are they providing to you for those fees. So a few data points here, what fees are included in your 401k? It's a common misconception that, well, I don't pay any fees in my 401k. And that's simply because uh, they're embedded in the plan. Uh, They're subtracted from your performance and you basically never see them. It's not like they're sending you a bill to pay fees inside your 401k, uh, which is good for them, right? Because it lacks transparency. And it basically means uh, that most people have walk around and have no idea what they're paying inside of those accounts. Uh, the U.S. Department of Labor defines <clears throat> three types of fees that you can pay inside of a 401k account. They are investment fees, plan administration fees, and individual service fees. Okay, what are all those? What do they amount to? Well, it's not unusual uh, for over 2%, up to 2.22%, in fees to be loaded into a 401k. They range anywhere uh, between 0.2 to 2.5, and the median, the average is about 1%, okay? The bigger the plan you're in, the bigger the company that you work for, typically they're able to negotiate uh, lower costs on their plans. So if you've left a bunch of 401ks at smaller employers throughout the years, you can expect that you've had your fees uh, eating into your returns uh, all along. So how do you find what types of fees you're paying in your your 401k, 403b, et cetera? Well, information about current uh, fees and expenses can come from a couple different places. You can look at your statement, talk about that one in a second, or you can request from your employer a copy of form 408b2, 
Form 404A5 or for Form 5500, uh, which are disclosures uh, that they should have on file and should be able to provide to you as far as what fees are being paid. The other way to do it is look at your statement and check for labels like total asset-based fees, total operating expenses as a percent or expense ratios. A lot of times what they'll do is they'll embed all of those three fees into one expense ratio uh, for each of the funds that you are then able to choose inside the 401k. Okay, so that's the cost side of it. Uh, now you got to look at the benefits. What benefits are you getting from that 401k? Um, are they giving you service? Do they provide, uh, you know, investment product options that you can't get elsewhere? Do they give you customized uh, investment strategies? Are they, you know, is someone creating a plan for you inside of that 401k and then giving you frequent contact to let you know when changes uh, need to be made if they do? Are they providing a financial plan? Are you kind of winging it on your own for a retirement plan and hoping for the best with these 401ks? Uh, do they provide any tax planning, estate planning, or overall retirement income planning? Okay, so that's uh, that's the value side. And you really have to weigh what you're paying versus the value you're getting from these plans. And <clears throat> at the end of that you know, internal discussion, your answer is, well, hey, yeah, I'm actually pretty pleased with what I'm getting from these uh, 401k plans. Great. You are done. You can tear this checklist or flow chart up and move on with your day. Congratulations. But if some of that strikes you as, well, gosh, you know, I'm not totally convinced that I am getting value for, for my money uh, in those old plans, then we're going to dive a little bit deeper into the flow chart. And the flow chart really, in my mind, breaks down by age. It depends on your age and what you're trying to accomplish. And that's going to really drive where you end up uh, in this chart. So, if you look at, uh, we're going to start here kind of in the middle of the chart, actually, if you're younger than age 59 and a half, okay, if you are younger than age 59 and a half, and you are not expecting to take income or do not want income from these old plans, then you're probably fine, okay? Um, you probably are still a, uh, a potential rollover uh, participant, okay? You've got the choice. If you're younger than 59 and a half and you do want income, well, now it becomes a little bit more tricky, okay? You can take substantially equal periodic payments. Uh, that's a special uh, part of the tax code that allows people under age 59 and a half to pick up some income uh, if they are still you know, inside that, uh, that, that company plan. But it's only from an active 401k, right? So what you would have to do is roll those dormant 401ks into your active 401k. And that way you could make an election for substantially equal uh, periodic payments. Your other option is a hardship withdrawal. Now those are pretty difficult to uh, prove to the IRS when it comes tax time. So it, it's really only available again to active 401k account uh, participants. So if you're looking to do income on a substantially equal periodic payment or as a hardship withdrawal, 
you know, rolling it into your new or your active 401k are options for you. Uh, if, however, you want to take substantially equal periodic payments without rolling into your, 40, your active 401k, you can also do that with a, an IRA rollover. So the IRA and the 401k are both able to provide you with a potential uh, 72T uh, election, which is, again, part of the tax code that allows you to take substantially equal periodic payments before age 59 and a half. Okay. Now, what if you have loans? And I'm skipping up here to the top. If you've got a 401k loan, you want to pay that off before you consider any rollover options. Okay. Uh, you're, you're not going to be able to uh, roll over to most new 401ks. And you're certainly not going to be able to roll that over to a IRA uh, because IRAs do not allow for loan provisions. Okay. So if you've got a loan, probably want to get rid of that before you uh, are going to execute a rollover. What if your account holds company stock? Well, <clears throat> you might want to take a break there and look up what's called net unrealized appreciation options, NUA. Now, NUA is its whole different video, could be a video series uh, coming soon to, to this channel more than likely, uh, but just realize that there are some special tax benefits of potentially not rolling over your company stock from your dormant 401k. That's a take a pause, do the research, get some advice, and then see if it makes sense to move on with a partial rollover of the non-company stock and then using NUA uh, to put your uh, company stock into a brokerage account in a tax advantage manner. All right, <clears throat> so we covered some of the special uh, ideas or the special uh, planning factors here. Uh, especially if you're under age 59 and a half. If you're over age 59 and a half, okay, now we're over here on the left side of, of, the, of the flow chart. If you're over age 59 and a half and you want income, right, you are basically about to retire and you are looking at drawing an income from these 401ks, 403bs, 457s. Uh, just realize over the age 59 and a half, 401ks and IRAs are about the same, really, as far as taxable distributions, right? Uh, distributions from an IRA or a 401k, both going to look like income to the IRS, okay? So there's really no um, difference there as far as income is concerned. And let me back up this uh, box here. If you left your employer at the age of 55 or older, you are 50 or older as a public service employee, or you are under the age of 50, but are a public service employee with 25 plus years, that's another stop and pause because you may actually be uh, eligible to take money out without penalty before the rest of the world at 59 and a half. Uh, some of these are, are provisions that have to be written into the plan. So again, it's take a break, get some, get some advice here and see uh, what is gonna make sense, rollover, non-rollover. You don't wanna cut yourself off from access to funds <clears throat> and extend it from 55 to 59 and a half if you don't need to, especially if you plan to take distributions uh, between 55 and 59 and a half. 
and I've actually gone through this uh, with clients uh, in the public sector uh, where at age 55, they could take distributions from their plan. And we ended up waiting those four and a half years to do rollovers for them. Um, okay. Next up is if you are between uh, RMD, or I'm sorry, and if you're past your RMD age. Okay, so we're kind of back here now in the center of the flow chart. 72 plus right now for required minimum distributions. That's a moving target uh, depending on where they go with, with future tax laws. Uh, but if you are taking RMDs, uh, you should really consider a few different scenarios here. If you've got multiple different 401ks, it's highly inefficient as far as calculating all those required distributions, making sure they all pay you before December 31st each year, uh, and then you know uh, doing the same thing year in, year out. So that's a case where consolidation makes a lot of sense. If you're happier with one of those 401ks than others, great, consolidate them all into that one. Um, but if you're not happy with, really with any of them, if you're not getting the value for the amount of fees that you're paying, then it's time to uh, more than likely roll over to a, an IRA, control the distributions yourself, control the fee structure yourself, and have everything completely transparent. Okay? That kind of takes you through most of the, of the checklist. Again, I think that the biggest thing that the people get hung up on is the fee portion of these uh, retirement accounts. They just simply believe that they're not paying anything, and then why should I give up something that uh, I'm not paying anything on, even though I'm getting very little in value, I get a very small menu of usually actively managed mutual funds, which are more expensive than, uh, than uh, exchange-traded funds, and uh, really no help with financial planning, retirement planning, tax planning, et cetera. One of the other hangups that people have is uh, with the treatment of uh, IRAs and 401ks as assets in bankruptcy. Um, so I've heard a lot of people say, well, just leave it in the 401k because if something happens, uh, you're, you are not on the hook with creditors for the 401k. And that's true, but it's also true of the IRA up to a million and a half dollars. Okay, so it's $1,512,350. Uh, as of 2023, adjusted for inflation. That's why you get the weird numbers. So that uh, as well, if you don't have huge balances inside of your IRA, really no difference uh, as to how they're treated uh, if you were to run into an issue with creditors, okay? Um, that's gonna about do it uh, for, for this chat. Again, this uh, flowchart is available. Let me know uh, what you think. Let me know if you have questions. By all means, uh, feel free to reach out to me on whatever platform uh, you are viewing or listening to this podcast on. And uh, you can always reach me. It's on the ticker below, Patrick at victoryindependentplanning.com. Uh, happy to help talk through this, uh, this flowchart with you and just see where you sit uh, and try to find some scenarios for you that are going to work best uh, going forward. All right. Take care. Have a great weekend, guys. And we'll see you next week for uh, more history lessons from the modern investor. See you next week.